Hello, and welcome to episode number 25 of Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. Joining me today is Lane Stratton. Lane has been photographing and filming extreme sports athletes since he was in his teens, which really wasn't that long ago. Through a combination of talent and timing, he found himself in the position of producing a six-part documentary series that premiered on Outside TV in February of this year. In the film called Billy, Lane follows world champion big wave surfer Billy Kemper on his recovery from a life-threatening injury sustained on a surf trip in Morocco just as the global pandemic shut down international travel. Here is the trailer. We've wanted to go surf this particular way for years. Holy that was the best day of surfing of our lives. It was like best trip ever turned into like the worst circumstance possible. He's like, Billy just got super fed up. Every breath was getting shorter and shorter. COVID had just started. Countries were shutting borders. I have 24 hours left. Like, are you coming home to me? Just keeping him alive became paramount. This is almost a guaranteed career-ending injury. Going out and being able to ride a giant day, that's the goal. The goal is to get back. Whether it's riding big waves, winning world titles, or coming home from work, a family will motivate you and push you more than anything in the world. To push through such a severe injury so quickly and so motivated is just inspiring. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're liking what you hear in these conversations, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Five stars would be great. And now on to my conversation with Lane Stratton. Welcome, Lane Stratton, to Making Media Now. Thanks for having me. And where does this podcast find you? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles. Okay, terrific. Are you headquartered there? Is that where you're operating yeah. from these days? Yeah, I uh, pretty much as soon as uh, you know COVID hit and everything, all operations became uh, you know just straight from home. So. Uh, yeah, this is where, you know, all the magic happens. That's where you've been spending lockdown. I get it. Yeah. Well, right before lockdown, you made a very impressive film called Billy. And just to tell our listeners how I found you and how I found your work a few weeks back, as I tend to do, I uh, was devoting a part of my Saturday to uh, looking at outside online. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a great thing when you're living in the Northeast to be able to get into outside magazine and vicariously uh, look at how people are spending their time in warmer environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so I'm, I, I am a, uh, quite often taken by uh, surf movies. And, yeah. and I saw a, uh, an article and a clip uh, of, your, of your movie, Billy, and it led me to the whole six-part series. The synopsis, Lane set out to make a profile film about a guy named Billy Kemper, who's a world-class, I believe he was, what, was he number one in the world at the time in terms of big wave surfing? Yeah, I believe so. I, yeah. or I think they uh, they discontinued uh, temporarily discontinued the big wave tour circuit, but uh, he was like the reigning champ of uh, a lot of contests. <laughs> Got it. And in his profile of Billy, Billy is basically just being Billy. He's he's, he's riding waves. He's kind of sharing his his philosophy of life and surfing, and he is in Morocco and sustains a series of just brutal injuries, shatters his pelvis, uh, is essentially paralyzed in the water, and has to be a combination of boated out and uh, medevaced to a, uh, a nearby hospital. As this is happening, coincidentally, the world shuts down. So let's talk about pre-injury for a bit. And I want to talk a little bit about how you got into shooting uh, what looks like a lot of action adventure films. What's yeah. your what's your background as a filmmaker and what led you to the world of uh, big wave surfers? It's funny when I was in like, you know, middle school, I just gravitated towards skateboarding. It was like just like, you know, when something just grabs you and this is pre picking up a camera and just like all of a sudden my entire world became skateboarding. That's all I could think about. That's what I wanted to do after school, team sports, just no interest. Like once I discovered it, um, I felt like I found my community and, uh, just through that, uh, going to school up in Ventura, just like an hour North of Los Angeles in California, I went to school, shortly he actually uh his career took off very shortly after i like started hanging out uh started hanging out with him this guy named Curran caples okay uh, he's a skate professional skateboarder and uh very advanced surfer as well and uh basically just like through the development of our friendship he, uh when you become aware that like you're like oh because i would be like skating contests and stuff like at a very you know intermediate level but just you know you're a kid, you're dreaming. You're like, I'm going to be a pro. And, uh, you start hanging out with people that actually, you know, end up being pro and they, you just realize very quickly. You're like, Oh, like, okay. Like that's, that's not me. And, and uh, how old are you at the time? This was probably around like, uh, like 14 or 15, maybe. How long ago was that for you? Cause you're, you're, you're not an old man. You're 25 now. Okay. Yeah. So it's weird. It's weird to like start speaking in terms of decades because it's <laughs> and now I'm like just coming into like, you know, that time frame where that's relevant, but take it uh, from me, they pile up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I keep hearing. <laughs> um, but it's funny because I wanted to figure out a way where I was like still, you know, in the van where you're going on these skate uh, expeditions and going skateboarding in interesting places and I'm watching current start to travel the world and everything for skateboarding. And I, it just seemed like the dream, my gateway into being able to be like, you know, still in that mix, like, you know, still have like play a, like a, a vital role 
he uh, put a camera in my hands and I, I like, you know, had interest in photography and, you know, stuff before, but never anything out of like a, it was never a thought in my mind to pursue it as a career. And the way I saw it initially was it, it just allows me to like go, go skateboarding. And, and so just like, as that developed and like started doing it more, um, you know, just started to enjoy it more and more. And uh, the funny thing is, Ventura, it's a beach town, uh, like in between Malibu and Santa Barbara, world-class waves. My dad's surfs, my grandfather surfed. Um, they took me surfing and like, I just, I was afraid of the ocean to be really okay. To be honest. Yeah. Like it just, you know, uh, it's funny now, like documenting big wave surfing where guys get held under for like three to five minutes. And, and if I'm underwater for more than five seconds, like, you know, getting worked by a wave, I'm just like, uh, this is it. <laughs> like, like, I like, this is it. And, uh, it's funny because, uh, Curran was already like a pretty advanced surfer, like at a young age, his dad was uh, actually a professional surfer as well. And so there's, uh, it seems like there's a lot of, um, crossover between the skateboarding world and the surfing world. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Especially like Southern California and everything. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's a pretty natural hand in hand. Like when the waves are bad, a lot of people skate when, you know, like, you're skating a bunch and it's like too hot or something. You go to the beach and you want to surf and, uh, and just like, it's the lifestyle of both of them, you know, just go hand in hand. And, uh, the it funny- seems to call, it seems to call on a lot of the same, uh, body mechanics too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the same fundamentals, but I mean, like a lot of differences as well. But, uh, the funny thing is that, uh, current would like, as it became more of a, like a, I can't even call it a professional relationship at that point, but like, it was like a very consistent dynamic where like I'd be filming him and stuff and helping him like film these video parts that would end up being in like, like skate movies and stuff. He would make me film surfing. It was like, kind of like I had to do that to like, you know, be uh, the one that films him skating as well. And I hated it. Like at the time I didn't understand the nuance of surfing at all. And I just thought it was super repetitive. I didn't like understand it. And, uh, it's way less involved. Like you're just for the, unless you're like a water cinematographer, you're just sitting on the beach by yourself. And like, rather than like when you are filming skating, you're, you're, you're directly communicating with the guy the entire time. And, uh, (laughs) he was like, when you're filming, when you're filming skateboarders, are you on a skateboard? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah. A lot of the so time it was, was his thinking that if you're going to, if you're going to, um, get to the pro level of shooting surfers, then you got to be comfortable on a board yourself or. Uh, well, uh, well for skateboarding, it was like, it was just a natural, that's just part of like the skate cinema world is yeah. like you a lot of times have to just like follow next to them because like the lines are, you know, sometimes like spanning like a far distance. So you have to be keeping up with them and, the norm is to be shooting with a fisheye lens and be like right up there. And like, and like, and so it was just funny because he just wanted to see himself surf because he was surfing at a good level. And it's a, like the best way to like improve that something is to like watch yourself do it and like, like see your form and, you know, be able to like pick things apart. And I hated it. Like I hated filming the surfing in, in the beginning and so when you're filming this surfing at the beginning, where are you? You were in the water or on the, no, no, just on the beach. Just you're like, on the beach. Okay. Yeah. Just yep. like terrible tripod, like, you know, cheap, like telephoto lens and not taking it seriously whatsoever. But, uh, you know, it just kept that like balance, uh, or that relationship where I would just be able to be in his car all day and just be able to go and 
be around all these like mega talented people and uh you know just be in a completely different world than any of my like school friends because at this point he's already being homeschooled and traveling and doing x games and stuff and that's such a more desirable world than just like going to history class you know and like i was still going to school full-time you know when like early in our like a uh, relationship like that uh like like filmer skateboarder uh, like athlete and uh yeah it's just funny because as time went on, I started to make friends in the surf world through him and just kind of started to do that more. There's a, a lot about the skate industry as far as like a career path. That's very challenging. Um, and a lot of luck is involved and, uh, yeah, just a long story short is I actually started to pivot to filming surfing more and then like starting to get jobs like in the like surf filming industry not even being like a like a core surfer like that like surfing has always been like as far as me doing it myself has always been like at the most basic basic level like i'm not a good surfer by any means but i skate you know i still skate at like a pretty you know high level like just because i've been doing it for so long and so it's a funny dynamic where it also plays into where a lot of guys that uh, get into filming surfing for the reasons I got into filming skating, you'll go on trips and stuff. The waves are firing and you're just like miserable. I hear people being miserable all the time because they're just like, they want to go surf. And I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. Like I will drown if I go out there. So it worked <laughs> out pretty well for you. Yeah. It ended up being like a, just like a really, really nice balance of everything. And then just slowly, you naturally just get more into like the cinematic side of it. So and what's, what's interesting to me is, you know, cause I, obviously I watched Billy and then I checked out a lot of your work on Vimeo Yeah, and um, there's, there's a real immediacy to your work. So it, it, it feels like, you know, you're in the pipe. It feels like yeah. you are, you are right on the board. How far into filming surfers did you get before you realized, oh, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I have a sense of of how to engage with the, you know, with the water, with the light, with the camera. When did that all start to reveal itself to you? I was starting to, I was still going on a bunch of skate trips and like that was still just like the goal. That was still the plan was to just go and film skateboarding. And then uh, I went on a trip it's like the most prestigious trip in skateboarding. It's called King of the road. It's put on by Thrasher magazine. It's uh, just the most aggressive, like challenge based, uh, like you get points for challenges and it's a road trip and there's multiple teams out on the road at the same time. And uh, it's just the highest intensity challenge based trip that you could possibly imagine. Like you're not sleeping. You're just trying to do challenges all day. And then at night business is closed down. You bring lights, you set lights up in like filming places you're not supposed to be filming at. And, uh, and so on like the second to last day of that trip, I ended up just out of pure exhaustion. I ended up, uh, falling, warming up to film like a line where I was going to be like skating behind, uh, current doing a challenge. And I, I go down and I fall like just, they were doing construction next to it. And, uh, next to the park we were skating and warming up at, and, uh, it was just dusty and I just fishtailed out and, uh, coming down off of like a big quarter pipe and go down, 
hit my tailbone. It was just the just straight. I remember the sensation. It like broke my like when you fall skate. I've fallen skateboarding so many times, and uh, and trust me, there is an answer to your question at the end of this. <laughs> but uh, I, I fall and go back and it like hit my tailbone and it just like releases like my, my brace. Uh, like I've rolled out of way worse slams and, uh, just something broke. I was just exhausted and, uh, hit my head really, really bad, like really, really bad cracked oh, my, the back of my skull to about like right here and, uh, knocked myself out for a few minutes, came to blood, just, uh, they called the ambulance, but it was not there yet. And it was like one of those situations where, I mean, I was completely out of it, but, uh, hearing about it from doctors and stuff, uh, we were just right next to this, uh, this hospital and, uh, the, one of the leading head trauma centers in the, in, uh, the United States in uh, North Carolina. And I believe it was Duke university medical center or something, but nevertheless, uh, go and I'm long story, but, I ended up being out for a long time. Uh, like I, I was like bedridden for months and months and months. Oh, and, uh, wow. and coming out of that, it was like, were you, were you conscious during this whole period of being bedridden? Yeah, I was, I was not allowed to be stimulated. So it was like, like about like a month and a half of just laying in bed <laughs> with no stimulation. I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't have visitors. I just had to like heal my brain. And like, and this is after like a lot, like it took a while for me to be able to get to a place to where, um, I was able to fly back. They told my parents like on the phone, my dad, my dad actually flew out and then like a bunch of family came because they were just like, Hey, if he makes it like probably a vegetable, like it's not looking good. Yeah. And so coming out of that and just being like isolated like that for that long, I don't know. It's funny. Cause my brain actually like blocks out the memory of it. Uh, to like a pretty alarming degree because hearing about what I was like during that time, like it was, uh, it was pretty dark. And so, and, and it's funny because like, even before that, like I was just like this awkward kid, like, I, I don't know, just didn't, didn't, didn't know who I was like, just a lot of stuff. And then how old are you at the time? 18. I just graduated high school. All right. So this isn't that long ago. No, no. And, uh, it, uh, I, again, like, I don't really necessarily remember the specific, that specific time period. Well, at all, like my, I, my head, like, I think just walks out because it was like, you know, severe trauma. And, uh, I think I like hit like a breaking point where it's just like, instead of being like angry and just like, you know, like cynical, I like just became like really grateful, like just to be alive and, uh, coming out of that, there was just like the desire to go and be on those trips. I don't know. It just like, it didn't vanish because of like the actual incident itself because I still skateboard now. Like I still skate all the time recreationally, but just like for whatever reason, that desire just like kind of diminished. And I uh, was getting, and then right prior to going on that trip, I did my very first uh, surf trip, like per, uh, to be a filmer. I was a secondary filmer uh, on this Hurley trip um, with like their youth team to Indonesia. And so just by virtue of the fact that you were asked by Hurley to be this second cameraman, uh, on this trip, that alone is evidence that people are seeing talent. Yeah. They're, they're seeing that you, that, that you possess some skill, correct? 
Yeah. So the, in the story with that, this was, that trip was just prior to going on this uh, King of the Road trip. And I went on that trip and I wasn't actually supposed to edit it. I was just, I was like the B camera angle, like, like, you know, bottom of the totem pole as far as that goes. And it wasn't necessarily like, I wish I could give myself credit, but it was not because of like any skill because I had shown no skill other than <laughs> I could press record and I could keep the surfer in frame in focus. That was the extent of like the, the, the skill. Okay. And, uh, I think that they just like, couldn't find like another, another camera angle. And so it was just like, you know, just like right place, right time guy named Sean Ward brought me on the trip and uh Lane, you're fun. showing humility in show business. You know these things don't that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Works. So I, I probably won't be <laughs> successful. <laughs> but uh but it was funny because coming back uh after the trip, like I wasn't supposed to edit the video. Um and they got like this outside editor to edit it and the guy who was running the program at the time was unhappy with it and asked if I wanted to give a stab at editing it. And it was one of those things where you're just like, Oh, like this is my shot. That's a, and it's similar to how I felt about Billy and we, I'm sure we're going to get to that, but yeah, exactly. Huge opportunity in my eyes, like fresh out of high school, like just had had the conversation with my parents about like, Hey, like, I, I don't think I, I, I'm not doing college like right away. Like there's like just too much going on. I'm getting invited on all these trips. Like this is like my dreams, like, like my dream uh, scenario for right now. And they, they, after <laughs> they weren't, they weren't, uh, too fond of that idea, but eventually they're just like, okay, well, it's like, if you are going to do that, you can, but we're just not going to financially support you in any way you can, you know, live under our roof and everything, the college money will that they, you know, I'm lucky that they like, you know, set up a college fund for me, but they're like, that'll be there. So like if, and in my dad's case, when, uh, this like, you know, comes to an end, like that'll be there. You can, you know, start, start your actual career. Once you get this uh, out of your system. Exactly. <laughs> and so exactly. And, uh, and so like that was prior to like going on these trips and stuff. And so coming back and, you know, like the guy, Sean, I uh, was just like, do you want to give us stab at editing this? And so that was like that opportunity. So I just was like, you know, just went in all in on it. And, uh, that was the first time I kind of showed myself even like, cause I had never really edited at a high level. And that was like, still when I watched that back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's, you know, so amateur, but that's like that tomorrow video that you may have seen on the Vimeo. It's like, and that was my first stab at like really trying to put together like a 360 project. And so that came out and actually like, you know, came out well for everything that was coming out at the time. And uh, that's kind of what started the ball rolling on that. And then, uh, so fast forward after, uh, and that was like, we, that video saw like pretty high success, um, uh, in the service. This is the Hurley video. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and that was prior to the King of the Road trip. It came out and everything. And so just coming off of that high, going into that trip, you know, felt on top of the world, you know, it's, that's always when you get knocked down. But, uh, when I was healing up, I wasn't really like, it wasn't like really public information, like how messed up I was. <laughs> so I get hit up to, uh, after a couple months to go out to Hawaii, to the North shore to film, uh, the youth team again and do like another iteration of that. Was this and going to be part of some branded content also? Exactly. For who? Hurley again. That was for Hurley again. Great. Yeah, same, same group of kids, same guy hiring me. Good client um, to have. Exactly. No. And then that's who like I started working with like after that, but like I was still pretty messed up at the time. So it was kind of like a race 
like I agreed to it because at at that point when that opportunity came up, like I think I got injured in like September and like that opportunity came up in like late or like mid November maybe. And uh so I was just like, okay, like I just need to heal. So start, you know, just going like hitting like, you know, the physical therapy, everything really hard. And so kind of why the Billy story resonated so much with me. Uh, I was going to say that. Yeah. Just such overlap to, you know, a, a jarring injury and a slow recovery. So you were, you, you, you knew what you were dealing with to a degree. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and it was one of those things where I had like a goal where it's like, I, like, and that was like really big with like the Billy story as well. It was like, there's this goal. So you're like working towards something. It's not just like healing. It's like, no, I want to be like back, like doing this by this time. And so once I like, I, and you know, <laughs> another would just like, I think it was just cause I was young and the body's just, you know, able to heal quickly. And I was able to get back <laughs> like way quicker than anyone uh, expected way quicker than I expected. And, uh, yeah. Well, how did you, how did you find yourself in Billy Kemper's circles? So I didn't, I didn't meet him for another like few years after that. Like that was, okay. I only met him like a couple of years back and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I had very limited contact with him up until when we started working on the project to be completely honest with you. Like, and how, tell me how the project came about. Whose idea was it? So I actually wasn't on the trip. I didn't go to Morocco. Okay. I was working with the WSL at the time. And the WSL is the world surfing league. Yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. And I was working with them at the time and I was just hired day rate to go film him. Um, after he, I'd go film an interview with him, uh, that someone else was conducting after he returned and was like, okay, uh, knew he was going to live was like, you know, like functional in California, actually up at Laird Hamilton's house. And we, I, I drove up there, set up everything to film that interview. And it was one of those things where it was public information that he got hurt. It was public information that it was a wild ride getting him back. No specifics about the, like, you know, the journey of getting him back here. So I hear him tell this, uh, tell the story to camera of it's actually the interview you, you see in episode one is, uh, from that it was, it was, uh, I used a lot of that interview in episode one. That was like that initial interview because, you know, just really good. It was really fresh. We didn't do like the next interview in studio for a while afterwards. So it's like a lot of it was a lot fresher to him at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so after the interview concluded, I <laughs> go up to him and I'd only really, I'd filmed with him a couple times. I'd spoken to him maybe a couple of times outside of filming with him. And so we didn't really have a close relationship at all at that point. Like, but he knew that I, we have a mutual friend, Luke Davis, who's another surfer for Ruka, really talented guy from San Clemente. And, uh, I'd gone on a lot of trips with him and I like had worked with like him on making videos for a while. Basically I just go up to him after the interview's done. And I was like, dude, that was the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'd never done anything. At, like I've never like worked on a dock at this point. I've never done like actual narrative storytelling, like, but just the, the story was so crazy. I'm like, yo dude, like, are you doing anything with this? And he was like, no, but I like really want to. And so we just kind of started talking like after that. And, uh, it was actually going up to San Jose because he was about to get his knee surgery. 
Okay. And I, he was like, do you want to go film it? And at this time I was just thinking of it in terms of being a, like a cinematographer on it. Like I just love camera operating. I never considered directing really. Like I think in the surf world, you naturally take a director's role just when you're making edits because you're just constructing them like from A to Z because of it's like a one man band. Right. For the most part. Um, it's not like a traditional, like Hollywood production. And, uh, that's kind of, that was the beginning of it all was like just doing that interview and hearing this story. I'm like, that was the craziest story I'd ever heard. It was, there's so many little components of it where you're just like, dude, like it was a crazy story. And I just wanted to like be a part of the storytelling of it. I, I didn't have any intentions initially of like the scale of which it became. So at the point that you kind of get involved, uh, the two of you decide, let's tell the full story. Let's talk, let's, let's tell the before, before the injury, the injury, the recuperation. And then you make a really interesting choice. I think as a director also, where you even go earlier than before the injury, you go back to his upbringing and his childhood, which I thought was a, was a really interesting choice because it, it was so revealing of his mindset and and his values. Um, tell me a little bit about that. And and was that a mutually arrived at decision? Did you have to you know, was it your idea? Was it his idea? Did anybody have to talk anybody else into taking that approach? Yeah. So because we have you have to start like a little bit before that, even because as we just begin kind of filming together, and just filming kind of like these like kind of key moments in the recovery with kind of, it's still up in the air. What's going to be happening with all of it. Like at this point, I was not assuming a director's role. Like it was always kind of like an assumption that someone else would, you know, be like, you know, had the reins of this thing. I knew like, we knew that they scored crazy waves They we knew that like, you know, he got really hurt and initially the WSL is going to use the footage for this thing called an at large where they like these guys just go on these strike mission trips. Uh, and just as I spent more and more time with him and starting to learn more about him, you start to like, the guy carries the most like unique energy of anyone. It's like him, like Laird, like all these guys, like this, just like so alpha, so like strong and like, it's unlike anything I'd ever been around before. And so I kind of just started to just peel back layers of the onion and starting to like understand kind of who this guy is as you know, time goes on and I'm talking with the WSL and we're trying to figure out like what we're doing with this thing. Cause the foot, you know, you saw the surf footage, the surf footage is crazy. They're trying to figure out like, okay, like we got to like put this out, but Billy and I just start talking where he, he is a very creative dude himself. And, uh, like we just really were on the same page with a lot of things and, uh, that this story was bigger. And so I just like started just asking him questions like about stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you see it in the series, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And, uh, I believe that's the, the, the term. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, he would like told me about his mom's story first. And then I'm just like, wow, like that's, that's really, that's really crazy. Like, like that's a really gnarly situation. And then like time's going on, we're developing the storyline a little bit more, still no intentions of being director. And then I 
start to, you know, just ask more questions. And then, so like you, I, like, I hear the brother story and I'm like, it just came to me. I'm just like, which I think is like kind of the thesis of like the entire series. If you were to ask me, it's like, this is a product of his approach to recovery is a product of being groomed to take adversity and severe trauma and turn it into the most like a righteous approach to life as a result and be driven rather than like where so many people would like sink, like he's able to like rise. And yeah. So just, just to provide a little bit of a context without, you know, without really turning this into spoilers for people who haven't watched the film, but Billy Kemper uh, is the byproduct of a, uh, a pretty rough upbringing where his mom decides to take himself and his, his two brothers, correct? Uh, oh yeah. He has two, yeah, he has two brothers. Right. right. Two, but yeah. one who eventually uh, overdoses. Yeah. Who was and, in the same uh, surfing class as uh, some of the guys that are regarded as, you know, the best surfer of all time. Right. And so the kind of the mantle of the champion surfer in the family falls to Billy. But not only that, sort of the mantle of the survivor in the family, the fighter in the family falls to Billy. You know, it was interesting when I was watching this. I I don't know a whole bunch about the surfing world aside from, you know, you mentioned Laird Hamilton. I knew him. I knew Kelly Slater. That was it. But, you know, I've watched documentaries on both of those guys and they come from similar family backgrounds. Were you aware of that? Yes, I was. And uh, it has no uh, relation to why they're featured because they just naturally have these really like, especially Larry. They're also and, kings uh, of the surf world. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that uh, I, I can't remember if I kept this line from Albie Layer, uh, another guy from Mali that uh, Billy grew up with. But uh, he says that if you look at a lot of, a lot of the, these top guys, they, they come from these like extreme situations, these, these hardships, uh, because like surfing is where they go to find relief, to find like, uh, you know, purity. And yeah. so, yeah, I think yeah, that the, the ocean, the ocean provides an escape, a respite. And then they find that they're, they have this amazing skill that one out of a million people have, and that taps into their, the competitive aspect of their personalities. Exactly. And it's like, I didn't get to touch on it nearly as much as I would have liked to have, but it, Billy would be the first one to tell you this. And that's why I'm going to say it is like, by no means was he, you know, that naturally gifted phenom from a young age. Like that's uh, definitely not the case with the guy. He is a product of like what the hardest work looks like. He like, was so determined to like, in my opinion, to follow in his brother's footsteps to like, you know, carry on the career his brother couldn't have, uh, that he willed it into existence. It wasn't something that just, you know, naturally happened. The story takes on this fuller dynamic. At what point do you, do you realize, or is it, is it, you know, sort of uh, cast upon you that, Oh, Hey, Lane, you're the director, you're running well, the just, edit, you're, you're forming this thing. Well, the, the thing is that, so Billy and I just, were just filming, like it, it was kind of just assumed like the, the world surf league said, yep, keep filming. Um, like we'll buy the footage from you. Uh, like we want that. We want this documented. We can't hire you. It's it, it, like, keep in mind, this is 
peak COVID, like, and we were very safe and we, you know, followed all precautions, but it, it was integral to the storytelling to like, you know, capture these key moments and key, like, you know, like seeing step-by-step, step, like what that process was. And I would just be hopping in the car with him and we'd be on these drives. Like he was, you know, hitting so like so many hours on the road every single day doing these physical therapy sessions, going to Laird's and, you know, just getting worked on from an assortment of different people. And so uh, we were just, it was a lot of time in the car and it was just talking. And I think that we just got along really well. And I think that he could sense that I understood his story, which is a really rare thing actually. Like where, you know, the people you work with, a lot of times you're just assigned, you know, like, okay, this right. person is going to come in and like run point on this project. But, uh, Billy, I think had the confidence in me before I had the confidence in myself to, you know, tell the story. I think and that's kind of that. the transition from a uh, camera person to camera person and director, because, exactly. you know, n- not to, uh, in any way, shape or form, um, diminish the talent necessary, uh, to be an effective, uh, camera person, but, um, yeah. The director has to be thinking about story and has to be thinking about character and has to be thinking about, you know, the whole, all of the kind of the themes that, that you want to be. I remember from so far back when I was working with current, I heard someone say this and it stuck with me. And it's so strange when just like a phrase sticks with you. And it's uh, like this guy, I overheard him say a good director knows what the end product looks like before he ever presses record. And that was something that just really stuck with me. And as we began talking about what we wanted the series to be, I started to think in those terms. And I think that's when it kind of switched in my head. I'm like, I know what I want this to be. I know what this should be. I should say, because I'm still not at this point, like, uh, you know, pursuing the director's role, nor am I even in the conversation. <laughs> and, uh, and it was like, that was the switch where I was just, I saw it. Like I saw the, I saw what this is supposed to be. And it also, this is like, that's a, a completely different tangent is, uh, like the surf media industry and how it's began to start failing as a result, in my opinion, of social media. And that's a really interesting, uh, like topic, but that's like a completely different tangent, but yeah, that is, that that's an interesting topic because I think that what happens is, uh, there's such an emphasis on kind of sensation. There's such an emphasis on, you know, the gnarliest cut of the gnarliest ride and the, you know, the kick-ass music and whatnot, that where's the story. And eventually it all begins to look and feel the same. Yeah. It's oversaturated. It's really right. oversaturated and uh, you're on Instagram and you just, and you, you you get instant instantaneous, like you get to just watch surf clips, like as they're happening, people don't like really save up for parts too much anymore. Like they used to, if you go back to the Taylor Steele, who's uh, like, you know, the most legendary surf director of all time, besides like Bruce Brown, like endless summer. Was that, Taylor Steele, was he the guy that was part of the momentum generation? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was a, that was a, that was a great HBO documentary. And yeah. I didn't realize that, yeah, he was kind of the the father of, he reminded me of, he was like the Warren Miller exactly. of surf movies. Exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. So, um, like back in those days, guys would save up footage for years and to put stuff out. Now we live in a generation where guys will be posting their footage while they're still on the beach. And so <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, like right after it happens, it's already online. Yeah. And so it's, it's in my opinion, this is all strictly, you know, personal opinion, but it diluted uh, the space. And so it kind of started to kill what that next tier up, like, you know, high, more highly produced, like, uh, surf edits, uh, it, it started to under, like, unfortunately, I think kill the need for those. Well, you know um, what I think your movie does really well that I think the most effective, uh, sports films always do is they present the, the athletes, uh, what, whatever their sport is as almost a metaphor for their, the way they engage with life as their, yeah. you know, the way they compete, the way they face challenges, the way they deal with setback. I'm wondering, there, there's a lot of vulnerability that's revealed yeah. in your movie. I mean, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of eye candy. Uh, there's yeah. all of the kinetic energy that somebody's going to associate with a surf movie. But there's also a lot of human emotion. Uh, how did you establish the trust that's necessary for not just Billy, but a lot of the people around him to open up to you in the way that they did. Just to back up a tiny bit, because that was, it's a, like that failure within the surf industry. I began to develop a theory and it was that people have no like personal connection to what they're watching. And so you have to inject some like foundation of like humanity to the storyline. Mm -hmm. And naturally like this story already has that because like everyone's afraid of dying for the most part, like most people are at least. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is a near death experience. So naturally it's already kind of like great starting point. <laughs> and I really wanted to trial what it looks like to, you know, inject humanity. Like the ultimate goal when I set off on editing, the first one was, to make it something where you're paying respect to traditional surf filmmaking, you know, making, you know, good surf segments and stuff, but also something that I always came back to this. I always came back to Kyle from Iowa. Like how do I like retain Kyle from Iowa's attention where he doesn't have an ocean anywhere near him, but like, you know, make it in terms that he's able to understand. And I really wanted to see how well of a job I could do marrying those two sides of it where you're, you know, like not making something corny, like, like not making it where it's like a drama or too dramatic, but, uh, you know, giving the full scope of the situation. Like when these guys do go on these trips halfway around the world, like that's all real stuff, like, like leaving a family behind. That's real stuff. That's not yeah, like and, and, and Billy's married with four kids. Exactly. And so and not in his early thirties, I believe at the time yeah. of the injury, it was actually his birthday yesterday. Oh, was it really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the, I think I believe 32 now. It's one of those things where none of it's contrived. It's all accurate information. We're not injecting any drama that isn't pre-existing. basically. Yeah. Just go getting into like uh, the vulnerability. It was something where I feel like, that's the only way like people can sense <laughs> film directors don't give their audiences nearly enough credit. In my opinion, a lot of the times where they 
really assume their emotional intelligence is much less than it is. And they can mm-hmm. like sense if something is, you know, contrived in any way or just like, and so that was a conversation I had with Billy where we talked thoroughly in detail before doing his interview where I was like, dude, this has to be real. Like, like I'm going to hate, I'm going to hit you with some like gnarly, gnarly questions. And, you know, you see him break down multiple times Absolutely. in that, in, in these interviews. And, yep. uh, and he was the only one I actually wrote out a question list for. I had like some stuff written down for everyone else. And I think it's, I actually try to do it podcast style for all the other interviews. That's like why I think I was able to pull emotion out of other people as well. And that vulnerability, mm-hmm. because I would treat it more of a conversation rather than uh, something where I'd get my answer and then move on. Uh, bit me when I, in the editing process, because a lot of times I would be like, you know, missing some key stuff, but that's the beauty of doing as many interviews as I did. Where's my coverage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's how you get the, that authentic uh, response from people right. is where it's like, it doesn't feel like we're unnaturally pivoting the conversation at all. Like I hear someone say something you can kind of see like in their eye or something like, Oh, like that, like that did something. Okay. Like let's like unravel that thread a little bit more. And uh, just, I saw more and more, like as I, practice that theory, I saw more and more success with it. And so that's basically what my, uh, my mentality was behind doing all of those, uh, interviews was treating it like a conversation and then, you know, trying to really just break into the real stuff, like the stuff that like, you know, you got to see a direct response from these people that, uh, like they were like, it was a very natural response, natural conversation. And it didn't feel like it was just like cut and dry questions. So the film was, as, as I saw the series, it was on, I saw it through uh, outside television and it was rolled out in uh, six installments and the installments all ran between like 17 and 20 minutes. I would say, Uh, did you have any input in, in how the film was going to be uh, chapterized like that? And, and what was the rationale behind that? As Billy and I started to make the case for me being the director and having never directed anything before in my life, the WSL (laughs) and and I have to give a shout out to Tim Greenberg. He's like my like main point of contact at the WSL. He rode with me to the very, very bitter end sleepless nights. And, uh, basically he told me like way later on in the process, he's like, yeah, man, there's like uh, if you look in that contract, there's a contingency where it's like, if it wasn't working out, like, like we had like a pretty like clean out, (laughs) uh, once like they signed the contract, but as they, warmed up to the idea of me doing it and were willing to take that risk. Uh, they required me to really write out like somewhat of a storyline in a document. Okay. And I knew I really wanted to include these like backstories because as you get these bits of information and learn more about who this guy is, you start to be able to surmise your own ideas of Billy and who he is and what his response is to, you know, certain, you know, hurdles in the process and what the, like how he'll respond to them. Yeah. It's just like, as I was writing out the script, it kind of naturally kind of took that form where it seemed like six was the appropriate amount. And initially they were only supposed to be like 12 to 14 minutes. But, uh, I think that like, I just would like come back to like with first drafts of stuff, like, and after I showed the, like the whole team, what the first one, what I wanted it to look like. And that it was over. They were just like, Hey, you know what, man? Like, yeah, you got it. Like you just, uh, yeah, keep doing your thing. Like, and, uh, so 
it was all like all that information was like written out in the doc, but just uh, for certain elements to have the weight that I wanted them to have and for them to have the weight they needed to have, they had to be long, like, like just, you know, segments had to be longer, but I did try to make sure that nothing ever felt like it was like sticking it. Like I really want to make sure that the pacing getting through each episode was fairly quick, like where we'd only spend around a minute to two minutes on each, uh, you know, segment mm-hmm. and then we keep moving on. And yeah, uh, there's, there, there's a real forward momentum, you know, in, in the whole story. And, you know, what's, I, I think what's done really well is at the very beginning, you know, what's going to happen, yeah. but you don't know how it's going to happen. And yeah. you don't know what the, you know, what the, um, uh, how arduous, his recovery is going to be and you spend a lot of time and frankly for a for a surfing movie there are there are a lot of stretches of footage where there's no surfing and yet it's as compelling as the episodes that are that are more surf heavy and and then it it wraps up quite nicely uh back in the water yeah exactly and uh (laughs) that was a stressful situation (laughs) so when you look back at the whole scenario are you just like blown away by man? I did this. Yeah, it's uh, it's so funny because I swear my brain did something very similar to that head injury. Um, as when I was working on the first couple of episodes, where it's like I didn't at that point fully believe I could do it, like in the early stages. Okay, because I would be, I'll be the first to tell you, I wouldn't have ever considered myself like an advanced editor that would because I with COVID and all things considered there couldn't be a like a big team it was just me and this uh and the kid Ari Frapwell uh 18 year old 19 year old now a kid from uh La Jolla who uh was like Billy's day-to-day filmer and was actually the guy they took on the trip to Morocco just like but like really green at the time he's turned into such an amazing cinematographer. Uh, they're down in Mexico right now, actually filming, uh, uh, Southwell and Pasquale's. And, uh, it's, it like, it was just us. Like he would just drive up to my house and just sleep on my couch Monday through Friday. And, uh, basically he, he brought, he saw some crazy sides of me because it was a very interesting process to get to the point to where it's like, I believed I could do it. And yeah, it's, it's a strange thing because when I look back at the earlier stages and just smashing my head against the keyboard, trying to like, you know, just get something down that, you know, I would be proud to show it was hard because I think like the biggest thing that was holding me back was just my like doubt, my, my lack of belief in the fact that I could pull it off. And, uh, you know, after we get, through enough of them and you start getting feedback, uh, uh, from people and they they, they sound pretty excited about what they're saying. Yeah. Slowly absolutely. you start to turn the corner on it and then you get distracted because you're like, Oh, now I have to finish it. <laughs> and then that was, uh, too late was, to turn back. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's too late. And so, so yeah, now it's out, it's, it's out in the world. It's, um, it's also available in its entirety on YouTube. Correct. Okay. What's next for you? Do you know yet? Yeah, I have a, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some stuff that I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it, but two, 
bigger scale projects. One of them I can, I'm pretty sure I can say is with the World Surf League and it's actually doing something pretty rad that I'm really excited about. And another is a, you know, another human interest story that I'm really excited about because it's another story that I think that no matter who you are, it's going to be something that will have meaning to you and the vehicle again being action sports, but it's something that's a, you know, just another human interest story. And, uh, well, I, I think that's what you've tapped into and that, that is certainly revealed in Billy. Um, and hats off to you, man, for just taking on a big gnarly project and knocking it out of the park, which is not a surfing metaphor, but you know, (laughs) you get the point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also also down the line, just like, just really quick is, uh, down the line. I, if the way I intend for this, I believe this would be best viewed is as one cohesive piece start Mm. to finish. Yep. And so I'm going to let the dust settle for a while. And then down the road, I want to, stitch it all together and make it into like the movie version where we're able to, you know, expand on some things a little bit more. I have hours and hours of interview footage from all these, you know, just mega insightful people. And I really think that there's more, I want to, you know, more, I want to like, you know, inject in there and certain areas that can be condensed, certain areas that can be expanded on more. And, uh, that's going to be just down the line. I want to put it into, put it together as one piece and then hopefully find a, find a home for that. That would, that would be great. Well, I am um, honored that you are doing your first podcast interview with us here on making media. Now, first time filmmaker, first time podcast guest, I guarantee it's not going to be the last Uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, keep an eye on uh, what uh, comes down the pike from you. Uh, with future work. And I, I certainly look forward to that. Thank you so much for taking the time. And if our listeners want to find out more about you and your work and follow your career, point them in the right direction. Yeah. Just my name is at Lance Fenn on Instagram would probably be the best, uh, the best way to just, you know, follow along and what's going on other than that. And that's L A Y N E Lane Stratton. Yeah. And I try to, yeah, cause besides that, I'm uh, not, too publicly facing just with like, you know, just much more than that. But yeah, that's the, probably the best way. And then, yeah, just, uh, I'll be updating stuff on there and uh, hopefully, you know, just keep making cool stuff. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you've got the humility down. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of really, really talented guys. There's a lot of really talented guys and, uh, a lot of people that, uh, you know, are paving the way for guys like me. And so I'm just, uh, thank you for having me on, man. This is, this is fun. I could go on for hours. <laughs> Let's never say never. And, uh, I hope we do talk again at some point. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, Lane, you take care.